Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 52, Still My Girl. This week we're discussing series 4, episode 9 of Doctor Who, Forest of the Dead, and season 3, episode 17 of Buffy, Enemies. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. All right. So, Doctor Who. Yeah. And uh, we are starting off with a damn you, Moffat <laughs> um, moment. Um, yeah. Uh, you yes. know... I think I said to you, well, I won't say the entire thing because it's, you know, this is, I think, technically a non-explicit podcast. Um, so uh, I, I Yeah, will, we want to keep this family, family friendly. <laughs> I will repeat at least part of what I texted you, which is that I don't know how it's possible to both want to hug someone and punch him in the face at the same time. And that's sort of how I feel about Moffat at the end. Yeah. To which you simply replied... Yeah, he's the Whedon of Doctor Who. And I had to take a moment to swallow my words and, and, and concede that point. Um, anyway, so, you know, this is, this is yes, this is, uh, I think I mentioned, I don't remember if I mentioned this in, in the actual podcast last week, but I think I mentioned to you that last week was the first episode that really sort of made me... Uh, feel a little extra moisture around my ocular cavities um you know a salty discharge yeah. <laughs> there you go um with with doctor who and that's i mean i tend to be a uh not that i don't feel things for the characters in tv shows but i tend to not show emotion when i'm when i'm watching um you know movies or television or whatever I think yeah we talked about that i'm 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 also a bit of a stoic that's not to say that we don't feel deeply it's just it doesn't it takes a lot to bring it out of you in yeah. that sort of physical and, way and and i said that in relation to evangelista um and and in particular i, I mean obviously her death and um but in particular the you know the way that Dono's reaction and and the others you know who were obviously feeling guilty for how they treated her and, and all of that um in that moment yeah. You, of course, made absolutely no mention of the fact that this week is even worse <laughs> in that regard. Of course not. I don't. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to bias you or anything. So. No, no. But uh, yeah, no. I no. Mean, that that was kind of. The, I didn't know that this because you can't predict what's going to sort of strike a nerve with somebody. But no. no in the of back course. of my mind was you know. Brace yourself. Oh, you just wait. <laughs> oh, you yeah. just wait. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, and of course, we get to a particular moment, um, you know, at the end there. Uh, and it's, you know, when River's talking and, and, and sort of giving her final thoughts to the doctor and, and all of that. Um, but also there's that damn you Moffat that repeated line of everybody yeah. lives that's yeah. obviously a callback to the you catastrophic moment in um uh uh, uh not the empty child but what's the, doc the name the of doctor the doctor dances the doctor dances yes of course uh you know at the end there um 
but it's much more ambiguous this time around. It sure is. Uh, what what exactly that means, and it's especially, uh, oh, it's 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 a very strange moment because we're getting River reading from her journal, reading these words um, as a voiceover initially, but then we see that she's actually telling a story to mm. the uh, cyber children. That I guess she the, the implication is that she's sort of adopted them, yeah. right? Yeah. And and that she's now, you know, their mother. Um, and and given well, and we're going to talk about Cal here in a, in a few minutes, perhaps. But um, you know, giving her that dream because there's the there's the mention of the fact that um, she's basically dreaming of having a, a real childhood, and now this is River giving it to her. So so there's like lots of little layers here to this. Oh, so many you know, layers, yeah. Uh, you know, idea of everybody living and and what is living and what is life and who is alive and what yeah. does all of that mean and you can't help. You you actually said this right before we we started recording. You said, you know, there's you can't help but feel that there's eucatastrophe, and, and we've talked about that term in in the Tolkienian sense, and and the idea of you know the happy ending. But at the same time, is it is is it really a happy ending or not? I don't know. Like that's yeah. that's there, there's conflicting thoughts there. Yeah, and I think um, it's that the I mean I think what we talked about we talked about with the empty child like the chocolate and peanut butter of like the 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 scariness and then the comedy you know and Mm -hmm. but i think the doctor dances is definitely the most joyful ending to any episode i can think of that that's you catastrophe sort of unbridled right you know uh, everything's coming up doctor it's you know and we talked about the sort of dichotomy of it at the time as well of you know it being in the middle of a war yeah <laughs> you know sure. what I mean? like, and the, like, yeah it's not without it's not without darkness and layers and, and irony and, yeah. yeah but um i think it is an interesting contrast between that episode where everybody does live everybody's healed the kid's okay they even save jack you know that last minute mm-hmm. it has mm-hmm. kind of a similar now that I think about it, a similar kind of fake out where you think that Jack's going to get, you know, exploded, but then if the camera pulls back it to reveal the TARDIS and he goes off with them. So it is a true fairy tale happy ending. And this one on one level is that, but on one level it's not. I mean, when she says everybody lives, does everybody live? And And that's, you know, physically they don't. Physically, the whole expedition team died, you know, and physically, yeah. River... Except Lux. Except Lux. Um, and, you know, physically, River is gone. You know, this is the end of her running with the Doctor. You know, there's the mm. running again. Um, and so, you know, it's... You kind of seems like it's the end of that book. It's the end of that story. And endings are sort of inherently sad i think but well, then and it's contrasted with with everybody dies which yeah i don't know i don't know if we get that if if we get anyone saying that in this episode but i think in the last one we do like i 
I'm pretty mm, now. I see. I'd have to look that up now. I, I'm not feeling as confident as I was a few. Yeah, I don't ago, know that but... that phrase exists or not, but it is framed with this notion that four thousand people, the whole library, was killed mm. in silence. And right. what what really right. gets me too um, is uh, Lux running from person to person. You know, he did it. He saved them. Four four thousand people saved. And then you cut to the doctor, and the person that mattered most to him was the mm. one he couldn't save. And we were talking about you get that long, slow yeah. pullback where he, and you know, River, in the back of your mind, you kind of realize that River's over there somewhere. So we're not seeing what he's seeing, we're just seeing the effect that it has on him. Right. And it's terrible. Yeah, and so it, there's an underpinning to the everybody lives, which is. Um, you know, complicated, you know, but then it, it is joyful too, because this episode always makes me think of, um, the line at the end of the Deathly Hallows, where Harry has his like dream vision with Dumbledore and, Mm. and as he's leaving, he's kind of like, you know, this, this didn't really happen, is it? This is this is all in my head. This isn't real. And Dumbledore says, of course it's in your head, but why should that mean it's not real? Um, So there's a sense in which, you know, River is living on and those people, you know, Cal really does exist and they are alive in a way, but not in every way. And it's just very, very complicated. Well, yeah. And it's, and that's the thing. It's it's how much I, I guess sort of the question that I would ask is how much can someone change before they're a different person? And if they are a different person, has the person they were before died? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like you, you know, there's a certain there's a certain level or a certain amount to which you you can say to someone that you know, oh, you've changed. You're a completely different person. I mean, we, we say that to be, oh, they're completely different than when they were a kid or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, um, I never, I never would have believed he would have done such a thing. And, you know, now he seems like such a different person, that kind of thing. So, you know, like, is there, is there a sense in which, a, if not the person dying, at least the personality yeah. you know uh that they had dying and well we've talked about that with regeneration too so right right exactly well yeah and that's that's the thing is this you know and i didn't think of this at the time but your mention of that is is we get river saying that the doctor can't do it because he won't be able to regenerate like this this yeah. the implication is that this is a complete and total destructive yeah, yeah that this uh, would be true death for him it wouldn't trigger a regeneration it would just be the end yeah yeah which which is implying that it would also be for her mm. who doesn't have the power to regenerate anyway like if right. it's if it's so bad that the doctor couldn't even regenerate then it's got to be equally as bad for her yeah but of course he does kind of save her yeah and she in a way does regenerate as you know it in a different capacity and yeah. that's maybe that's i i didn't think of it in that way but we we do get her saying that right before she goes up there and so so maybe that's exactly the sort of way we're supposed to look at it yeah is it is a regeneration and she's 
living a different sort of existence. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a kind of pseudo-immortality or pseudo-afterlife, I think. You know, Mm -hmm. like, whether it's, you know, an analogy or a metaphor for that or whether, you know, what we're supposed to make of that, I think, you know, I'm not quite sure. But, you know, there is an element of... there. He does save something of her um Mm -hmm. and uh uh i don't i had a thought and then uh just flew out of my head well i think i think the other aspect of it that sort of hit me is is the whole idea of memory um and and yeah so we get that obviously with, with the sort of the hard drive idea right this is this is memory in the the computer sense of you know your data is stored and all that but then there's also the idea of 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 what river remembers and and in her you know what she wrote down in her book and um that moment of you know the doctor saying that time can be rewritten Mm. and she says oh no no god don't you dare yeah you don't you don't change a single second of what we did together and why is that like if she's if she's going to die anyway Mm. which it seems like she must believe because she doesn't even know that that the sonic screwdriver has a you know the whatever that is that keeps the data ghost you right. know stuff in it uh-huh. um i forget what what he calls you know that yeah, device know. or whatever but like she doesn't know that clearly um that's something that he discovers after the fact um so so she clearly thinks that she's going to die so if she's going to die anyway, why, why would she even care about what gets changed? And well, and see, but that's, and I think that's where you're headed is because well, it does matter. It matters and, to who and, she was, you know? And the, that's what I was going to say is that, that, that memory yeah. is part of the living on as well. Right. Yeah. That, that the memory is in itself in existence. And that's, um, there are some, you know, I mean, obviously there are different ideas about what it means to have a soul and a spirit and that kind of thing. And there are some theories about the idea of spirit of, of being exactly that, that, mm-hmm. it, that, you know, your spirit isn't, you know, some sort of mystical thing, but it's that it's that living on in memory of of who you are and what you leave behind mm-hmm. Um you know, and, and, and other people, um, that's really what having a spirit is all about. And, and so in that sense, it seems to me that that's what she's, and, and of course it's, it's playing on again, multiple levels here because the doctor doesn't have those memories yet. Yeah. Well, Moffat said a great thing in the commentary. He said, he said something about this episode being about nostalgia for the future. It's just yeah. great. Oh, like, it, and that's a great way to put n- it. Nostalgia for what hasn't happened yet, you know? Yeah. So rather yeah. than writing a story about the glory days that have been and are gone, it's the glory days which are yet to come, you know, which yeah. is kind of a exciting idea, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's that, you know, that concept that's brought up um, in both of these episodes of, of spoilers, right? That's sort of the shorthand yeah. for that. It's the nostalgia for the future. You don't, you know, we've talked about, you know, the fact that spoilers aren't necessarily don't necessarily spoil things. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you know, C.S. Lewis's idea of um, 
you know, being able the the, the surprisingness yeah. versus surprising being surprised. Yeah. But um, you know, there is a there is a sense of you know having that firsthand experience as well. You know, whether I mean we're talking about stories here, but could be anything. It's that you know I've never been to a particular place or I've never met a particular person, and and I'm going to get the chance to meet them, and yeah, and and that will yeah, be exciting. And I, and I think- I think that's an interesting distinction because I think Lewis's point doesn't deny the thrill of the first read. It doesn't deny that a spoiler can, in some sense, take away from a first experience. I think it's it's about that. What Lewis is defending is the concept of rereading, that, that right, knowing what's coming on subsequent experience doesn't necessarily detract from your enjoyment of it. Right. But I don't think that's the same thing as saying that there's not a huge amount of delight to be found in an unspoiled first experience, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and, and that nostalgia for the future, it's the, it's the wanting, the wanting to have done, Yeah. you know, like, (laughs) I I think I said that right. You know, if I get my 10, I had a professor who always said, nobody likes to write they like to have, have written. written. Yeah. 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 Um, and I don't, maybe he was quoting someone in saying that. Um, but it's, 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 yeah, it's that idea of you're looking forward to the point where you have had that experience yeah. or, or are having the experience, but yeah, you know, that, that doesn't necessarily like you, you want to do that in a way that doesn't take away from what's happening now either. Right. Yeah. So there's, there's multiple levels of that. And I feel like we've sort of wandered through all of those levels in this discussion, but well, and, um, and, and, but there's, and so there's the excitement of that, right? Like there's the anticipation, the kind of Christmas day of, Ooh, the present, you know, you're going to have good presents and you can't wait to see what it is kind of thing. But again, back to the ambiguity now there's River's line about the funny thing is this means you've always known. Now, yeah, yeah, all yeah. of this anticipation and their relationship and whatever it is that they're gonna experience, he can't unknow what he knows, which is how it ends for her. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is gonna—I won't say spoil the relationship, but it certainly has to affect it. You know, you can't. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know it would be pretty callous of him. You know, I think we know he's not that way. So, you know, along with the anticipation, there's also a kind of dread in that, I think. Um, Well, and it's, and I think his saving of her, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's also the idea of, even though, even though you might know the destination, there's still, you know, surprises that are going to happen along yeah. the way. Yeah, the, he the still unfolding knows of very the journey. little about her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it is that sense of chagrin that not only do you, you know, there's, there's the, so go back way to, you know, uh, series two where you have, um, Rose saying, you know, never, ever, right. You don't never say never, yeah. ever, you know, and, and it's that I, there, there's the vague idea of everything, you know, has to end. Yeah. But now not only do we know definitively that it does end, we know the circumstances in which it ends yeah. and we know the exact moment that it ends. 
before the doctor ever knows how it started or or yeah what happened you know in the intervening time so that's that's i think the i mean it, that's the brilliance but mm-hmm. also the the <sighs> that moffat brings us i don't have a word for that just that heavy sigh <laughs> um um anyway well the other thing i was going to say too before we start to talk about other things um is i think even his action of saving her too is ambiguous you know because i think sure. there's part of it you get caught up in his you know oh 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 as he realizes what he did with the screwdriver and you know it's like you get kind of swept up in that like epic moment mm-hmm. and everything the dash and the dive the, and so the, exciting yeah. and he's yeah. the hero fantastic and then but there's something a little you know, I think that ambiguity is still in there. You know, when he kind of, I always think when he smiles at Cal, he always looks a little bit crazy. Um, Like there's something kind of, mm. you know, he, you know, River says like he just can't give in and, you yeah, know, yeah. He, everybody knows that everybody dies. Nobody knows it like the doctor, but he's never going to accept it. And how are we supposed to feel about that? Is that a, you know, I think on the one on one level, his heroism is that he, you know, doesn't accept it and is always going to keep fighting and always trying to save people. And on the other hand, there's kind of a, you know, a little bit of desperation there. I think we've talked a lot about, like, the series of losses that we've seen, you know, of Rose and then Martha and then Jack and then, you know, and, and there's a sense of not another one, you know. This one, I darn it, I'm going to upload her if all I can do is upload her mind into the computer, then I'm going to do it. And, you know, I think I'm not saying it's like an evil thing that he's like done to her or anything, but like, I think it is a little, even that is ambiguous. And I don't know that it's as, it's certainly not as unambiguously joyful as some of the other savings Mm -hmm. that we've seen before. Sure. And, and you just quoted, right there the the part that i was trying to everybody knows that everybody dies comes right before she's saying sometimes though everybody not lives. today and, yeah and yeah. that's and it's that exact juxtaposition that you have to question well but but are you living are yeah. you living the same at least like and and, and are you things have and are you only changed. and are you only deferring the inevitable Everybody knows that everybody dies, but not today. Okay, but eventually. Yeah. You know? Tomorrow? Yeah. Next week? You know, a year from now? And and what is no it? matter how hard you try, you can't run forever. Is this him it's, trying to keep yeah. her running? You know? Well, it's the slow defeat. It's, it is. It's, it's, it's the idea of... And and we got this in amends with Buffy, right? It's, yeah. We don't, we don't always win. Yeah. In fact, we can't ever win completely. Yeah. Um, even if we win for today. So, yeah. And that's sort whatever of, that the, is. you know, there's all these layers of you catastrophe because the fairy tale is like the, the victory happily ever after today. That doesn't refute the inevitability of death, you know, but right. then maybe it in Tolkien would say it points to, you know, a further, even more complete victory later on, but not in the world as we know it. In the world that we know, everybody yeah. knows that everybody dies. Right. And so... Thing, things fade. Yeah. And, and 
And so I think the age of man. That's that's what <laughs> is so compelling about I don't know. <laughs> that's I, what is so compelling about this last. Yeah, I went on a Tolkien uh, thing there. Anyway, uh, Tolkien but, tangent. Yeah. Um, I think that's what's so compelling about these last, like that that last. 10 minutes or whatever when you kind of think that's over and then it revs back up again you know like when they walk away and then he runs back and and it's like the episode is like wait a minute there's more this is fantastic but you're always not quite sure how to feel about it and that's what makes it really interesting i think yeah Yeah. um we should probably talk about the rest of the episode though we should but just because you brought up that moment there because because in, in the talking about like the spoilers and, and all of this too, you get that moment of the doctor and Donna and looking at the diary. Yeah. And I, I was 60, 40 in that moment of 60% sure they probably weren't going to look in the book, <laughs> but I was like 40%, you know, like they might, they, yeah, they could, yeah, they could. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I was definitely leaning toward probably not because that's just how the doctor is, but I, I get the sense in the in that moment when he's got the diary there and and he's kind of you know lifting yeah. his eyebrows yeah. and saying to Donna, yeah, what do you think? What do you think? <laughs> are, are we gonna look in here? That the entire decision really was on Donna. That if she had said yeah. yes, he would have gone with it. Yeah, that's the sense that I get. I could be totally off, but I get the sense that if we ever have seen the Doctor in a moment of temptation that really was about as close to evenly, you know, situated as it could be. Yeah. This was that moment. Well, and just the way too, he's almost compulsively playing with it. He doesn't just rest his hand on it. He like has to fidget and fiddle with it. Mm -hmm. And like, it's like he can't, his hands are itchy. He wants to open it so bad. You know, I, I think the closest moment that I could point to, um, before this would be, um, the Satan pit when he's at the edge mm. and he says, you just today. want to jump. Not, not oh, oh, which part the, where he says not today. He decides not to. Oh, not to um, go, down. go down. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, yeah. And, and then of course he does go down, but like, you know, yeah, I think that would be like runner up to this moment. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Um, of uh, as far as like temptation and wanting to do yeah. something and deciding not to do it um and and this this even more so because not only is it his own future which he could read it's donna's too and donna definitely got the sense that something something's coming you know and so there could be another there could be another life saved if he read that diary you know i'm i'm not saying i'm not spoiling but you have that sense of no, you could definitely you, get that sense. Could you prevent the what might be maybe the inevitable wouldn't be inevitable if he would mm-hmm. read yeah. the diary. Um and yeah. I think too you get that sense when it's as the doctor and Donna are walking away that Rivers talking about when you when you run with the doctor it feels like you, it'll never end. Mm-hmm. But no matter how hard you could try, you can't run forever. And we've heard Donna say, I'm going to travel with that man forever, you know? And Rose said, you know, never, ever, Um, never, ever going to be. Yeah. So I think we are supposed to have that sense of when, you know, when it's you, you think it's forever. And then, you know, one day 
that will change. You know, it doesn't give well, you any information there's... about the mode of change, but the inevitable will come, you know. There's still the lingering um, resonance of of Ood Sigma's, uh, you know, uh, what I forget exactly how he, well, went, you know, phrase it to him that everybody's song and interesting an you bring that up way. considering we have a character named River Song. Yeah, um, uh, you know what? I wasn't even thinking about that, but I'm you're right. not saying that's the only significance to that line, but he does say. You know, your song is ending soon. and Your song you know, we is have ending soon. That's how we word it. Song. That's right. Oh, wow. So huh. there's, a little, there's a little layered meaning for you. I hadn't thought of it like that because I was thinking I was thinking of that reference as a reference to the doctor, not as a reference to someone else. And maybe yeah. maybe it's a reference to both. And that's it, not yeah, to say I'm not that saying it, it couldn't be both. Um, no, but that's, I'm just saying I was thinking meaning and Ud Sigma says every song must end. So no matter how hard you try, you can't yeah. run forever. That's basically, and, they're saying the same thing. And, and again, everyone knows that everyone dies. <laughs> right? Yeah. Everybody and, knows. And so, nobody knows it like the doctor. So, um, hmm. oh. very, very, very interesting. Well, uh, we could probably talk about that for hours longer, <laughs> but we should move on to some actual, other stuff here um yes the other stuff and what so let's let's start with cal and 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 the whole like the library and and the world that she creates and yeah all of that um you had a you had a pretty bang on guess last time yeah i was i was actually i was proud of myself for how uh close that i that i came with um you know suggesting that this that she was the computer and that Um, I, I mean, obviously I didn't get all of the nuance with Dr. Moon and, um, you know, that sort of stuff that, that was a interesting, it's, it's a Dr. Moon. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well that's, that's an obvious allusion to the guy named Dr. Moon. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So hmm, I wonder, I wonder how to put those two things together, but no, yeah. The fact that he's, um, sort of an interesting little, you know, he, he's a, virus program but he's actually more of a psychologist than right, a, right. than a yeah. than a physical doctor yeah, he's or a anything, therapist but, or whatever yeah um i'm not sure what the significance of the father is <laughs> um yeah i think i think just that trying to build her something approximating a normal childhood so you know oh, right right there so is that mention a, of her sort you of give dreaming. her a house you give her a parent you get you know so and it's kind of what it seems to me lulls her into this forgetting what's going on because it, it's mundane enough that it kind of she does eventually start to forget that she is a computer and isn't, you know, just a normal little girl and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, and 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 he's very hands off. Yeah. Like I, does he never really approaches her. He's, you know, ignoring no, it's all the Dr. telephone Moon doing all the. Yeah. Yeah. He's over washing dishes while she's. Yeah. Whatever playing or watching TV or whatever. Yeah. So like there, even he, yeah, he's background noise yeah. basically. Yeah. And, yeah, and he's, like he's, dismisses he's her dressing. He's like the and, furniture, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very, yeah. Anyway. So, so right. So Charlotte, Cal, whatever we want to call her, mm-hmm. she is, um, created this world, but I guess the, 
pressure of having all of these people stored inside her databanks is what's sort of making things fray at the edges. Yeah, driven him, driven her a little crazy. <laughs> yeah, understandably um, so. Um, but I yeah, like and, that, and, and I... she's right alongside other, you know, crazy computers and other science fiction shows, you know, Hal yeah. or whatever. Yeah, but I like that her. she's. Uh, I like her. Hal and Cal. I like that. Hal and Cal. Hey, maybe that's a reference. I never really thought of that, but that kind of seems like uh, could it be. has a ring to it. Um, I like though that she's. I like her benevolence. That like, this is all happening because she tried to save 4,000 people at once and then mm. totally was overwhelmed with what to do next. You know, that sure. that all of this is the result of her, you know, having some, you know, sense of having to save people. Mm-hmm. And the, and just the, the double entendre of save, you know, saving things to the hard drive is how you save people. You know, like, that's kind of a clever, you know, little... Right, the, bit the of word sort play. of the play on the yeah yeah word, um, yeah no that is interesting. I the other thing I was thinking about too though is is you think about like sort of on a more metaphorical level, you, you, you know, the idea just of children who have to deal with things that kids shouldn't have to deal with, yeah. right? Like yeah. you, you know, the there are unfortunately kids out there who take care of their parents, you yeah. know, because. For whatever reasons, um, sickness, drugs, alcohol, you know, yeah. could be a wide variety of, of relatively benign or, or, or downright, uh, evil, you know, things and reasons why kids are left to have to sort of navigate a world of adults. And, and, you know, so you, you can sort of see that, um, idea of, and, and I, I mean, this is like, dialed up to 11 or, mm-hmm. or to 4,000 or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, cause, cause she's, you know, dealing with all of these different, um, people who are in there, but they're by and large, primarily adults, you know, these adults who couldn't take care of themselves. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, for valid reasons, I mean, the Vashta Narada are not exactly, you know, yeah. Easy to deal with, but, no. um, no, but it's know, all on her. Yeah. Yeah, there is that that idea that she's she's the one that, like you said, she's it's a very benevolent you know sort of idea that she has, but she's clearly not capable of taking care of them yeah. on her own, and shouldn't be. Yeah. Like she is a kid; she never had a normal upbringing. Yeah. She, you know, this is a lot to ask, and and you kind of feel like, you know, we get Lux's explanation that she's. Um, his grandfather's youngest daughter. So it's his aunt, his aunt. Yeah. Uh, you know, who, but who never grow up who never grew up. Right. Yeah. And so like, what kind of father would do that? Like allow a kid, like as much as she does like to read, like, yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, I have two daughters. I can't imagine like being okay with that as a outcome for my daughters. <laughs> you know what well, I mean? Well, And we're back to the ambiguity because, they say it's it, she was dying, so this is his way of saving her, and so it's again we're back to with River that I think it's Lux that says it was only half a life, but it's forever. So yeah. is that is worth that it? better? You know, is is, is half a yeah. life forever a a valid substitute for 
a full life, which For is going time. to end prematurely, you know? Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, the I don't. The Luxes and... thought it, were, it was, you know, but I think that's part of the ambiguity of the, of the everybody lives stuff in this episode, you know? Because right. she kind of lives and she kind of doesn't. Um, right. She half lives, but she half lives forever. <laughs> well, and, and there's that sense, right. And it's not only a half life, but the half life, a half life as a child. Yeah. Because you get that sense that she's never going to grow up. So she wants a normal childhood, but that normal childhood is going to be yeah, persistent. There, Like she's not ever going to get any older. Yeah. Um. And so then you then you wonder like well how is how is that better for someone like River or the others who were people and pulled into this world they can't ever really grow up either or get older or yeah I mean all of the experiences that they have are going to be based on this mind of a child that mm-hmm. can't ever grow older so it's just you know again like it, like you're saying that ambiguity extends even, you know, back yeah. to river and them because, because what is their, what is their life in there? Do they, you know, part of life is having experiences and learning from them or, or yeah, having the opportunity to learn from them anyway. <laughs> and how much can, can they do that? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's all part of that, that kind of ambiguity is the only word for it. That kind of, you know, uneasy sense at the end of the episode yeah um so then you also have like cyber donna and and her family yes um which is the same as everybody else's family apparently yeah i that's (laughs) Um, such a creepy moment when all the kids are the same in the playground mm -hmm. that freaks me out (laughs) yeah yeah definitely um and, 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 you know, what creeps me out even more is when the kids start asking if they're real because they don't think they are. <laughs> That's scary. Yeah. Well, the and, little girl and I was just going to. When you close your eyes, we just stop. <laughs> right. So and well, but that's the question is, is so then has Cal somehow procreated, you know, um, right. like like because she's. She's created these children and granted, like, you know, she's using replications of them all over. So it's really only two kids. Right. Not, you know, many, but they, they seem self-aware. They seem self, they're self-aware enough to know that they don't have a self. Right. I think therefore I am. So (laughs) by definition, are they real? You know, because they have enough awareness to wonder whether they're real or not. (laughs) This is Um, Descartes in... In a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so there, there is a question there too of, of what's, what is that life for them? And is it, you know, I mean, the, the suggestion seems to be at the end with the fact that River is reading to them as much as she's reading to Cal, that there, the implication seems to be that, yes, you know, they are worth their, like, yeah. They didn't just have those kids not appear again, which would right. have been a perfectly valid choice to Actually, just say. Actually, and I don't know what all went into the discussions, but in the commentary, I've, some one of them said that. Like, actually, we had discussions about how many kids should be in that room. And mm. what the conversations entail, I don't know, but that I'm sure that's what they discussed was 
how much does this make sense? And, you know, and what they ended up doing was having the kids in the beds. So, um, yeah, I think the implication is there's some reality to them apart from just Cal, you know. Because yeah. um, the, other, the other thing could be you get the sense of how much of Donna's reality is created from her input as well, that her own imagination might contribute. Like, um, when they're doing the thing where she's, it, it does like the, the cutting forward. Sort of like where skipping. Like you yeah. say you, river and then they're down at the, it, it skips, it's like TV. It just skips over all the stuff in between. And you kind yeah. of almost start to see her fill in the gaps, like her imagination. Like, so, you know, uh, you know, I said I was tired and then we're in the bedroom and then she goes, but then we watch TV and we put the kids to bed and she like, there's She's a gap and she yeah. supplies what she thinks happened. So yeah. there's also the suggestion. I think that she seems to think that she created this family as like her ideal, you know, now, but maybe there's room to doubt that given that, Lee seems to be real at the end and and the kids are in the bed like you said so maybe it's not so much just what Donna wants to have around her um yeah. but again it's ambiguous we're not quite sure i think yeah yeah we're not i'm still not i don't know that no. i ever will be um evangelista gets smarter she does yeah decimal point um, shifts in her iq and we don't, so we don't really, but at the, you know, expense of her physical attributes. Um, <laughs> and then at the end, her physical attributes are restored. Yeah. So we don't know, did the decimal place get moved back? Like, I'm assuming <laughs> not. I'm going to, I'm going to say that Cal fixed the, the, the physical representation, she, but left the IQ. Yeah. Now she yeah. has the best of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, I think, the reasonable expectation. But I just want to throw that out there as a as a possibility. As a possibility. Um, She's going to drive them crazy for eternity in there with her. Oh, if she if, if yeah, she's if she... back to being the way she was. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I think we're supposed to understand that this is a kind of heavenly place where you get the best of both, you know, and and. And the doctor fixed it, is what Cal says. You know, this is a good place now where, you know, there aren't, you know, uh, bad, pro. there isn't the bad programming that makes people, you know, crazy or monstrous or anything, so. Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. No, but that's good to know that, I guess, you know, as much as, as much as River and the others are, uh, living so is she um mm -hmm. and presumably they they feel a little nicer towards her <laughs> than yeah uh they yeah that would been. be kind of seeing each other going awkward <laughs> yeah 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 exactly um <laughs> they seem to be getting along okay at the end so in the last 17 minutes here that we oh have okay. um i mean i guess we've talked we need a to lot talk about the main characters <laughs> I was going to say, I guess we've talked a lot about River. So I, I guess maybe to delineate this part of the discussion. Well, I think what we, we've talked about the end, but I don't think we've talked that much about anything leading up to that. So do we have well, any I, new... I was going to say to delineate it, let's talk about the characters not 
inside a computer <laughs> um, and sort of the, the, you know, the big things. Um, and, and I guess we did talk a little bit more about river and, and the doctor in the end there, but like, I totally called the word that she whispered in his the ear. name. Cause, yeah. cause I texted you. I'm like, like as soon as I saw that she whispered something, I'm like, she whispered yeah. his name, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And 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 <laughs> like, then maybe and then whatever, like a half hour later, I'm like, oh, I totally got it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was his name. Yep. Um, I don't know. I mean, it just seemed obvious that that would be the one thing sure. that would. So like, I'm not saying that I'm like, super yeah, no. And you know what? That's what, something but, to keep in mind. Like Moffat. And I don't say this isn't like a criticism, but for all that Moffat likes these sorts of twisty, puzzle boxy kinds of narratives, that doesn't mean that they're always unguessable. Mm -hmm. Like, he does like to twist and turn and surprise you, but sometimes the obvious answer is the right one. It's not, he's not always trying to pull a fast one, you know, it's like... right. It's and more about feel... it's more about the delayed gratification of what you suspect to be true, you know. Right. right. There it's nice to have a gag every now and then, but if everything was a gag, yeah. you know, everything was a oh, I I pulled you again. Yeah, like you yeah. said pulled one yeah. over on you, like yeah. I I got you on that one. That would not only yeah, would that like sort of yeah. disappoint you and and get tired, but it yeah. it would feel untrue yeah. as well. Yeah. Because sometimes things do happen the way you expect them. Well, and and happen. sometimes like this is something which is which is building. Like this isn't the first i this isn't the first mention we've had of the idea of the name, you know, and being and right. it being right. um out there somewhere and having some sort of significance. So yeah. you guess it because that's in the narrative, yeah. you know. Yeah. So it's kind of like. Yeah. And you get Anita sort of being the voice of the watcher yeah. in that moment, right? Of yeah. the you whispered you, you know, she whispered something to you, a word to you and and it made you trust her immediately. I could use a word like that. Yeah. You know, who couldn't? Yeah. Who couldn't use a word that would give you complete trust in someone else yeah. in, in a particular moment. You know what I mean? Everyone's sort of been in that just tell me this one thing I want to hear and yeah. I'll completely believe you and Everyone's been in that sort of situation where, unfortunately, more often than not, <laughs> you don't hear the thing you need yeah. to, um, like Anita did. I know we're not talking about Anita, but this is all in relation to the word. Yes. <laughs> whatever yes. whatever the word is, whatever his name is, which yeah. we still don't know, um, it's clear that River does. And so, of course, this leads to various clues and assumptions about what their relationship might be. Um, yeah, yeah, no, and he says, like... There's only There's, one time I could tell someone my name, you right. know, so that seems to suggest something. A particular you, type of relationship. intimate, you know. Um, <laughs> and we get we get Lux's uh, moment of, we're all going to die right here and you're just squabbling like an old married couple. Yeah. And there's a significant look. They both stop and look at each other, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing is, we know that River knows what the nature of their relationship is yeah she doesn't give us any clue yeah. about it or the doctor apparently and yeah. and that goes with the whole spoilers thing but yeah. i mean if i were to guess yeah that would be precisely what i would guess yeah is is what lux like anita yeah. later lux is in that moment sort of voicing what 
a potential thought from the audience could be is that yeah either they're married or in some very strong yeah you know marriage like relationship yeah um and and you know solidified by that fact of uh river whispering into his ear and whatever yeah um the other sort of thing that i definitely wanted to point out is that i noticed <laughs> um because i'm awesome and i notice everything no um is is the i'm sorry i'm really very sorry yeah. before she whispers yeah and and that that turn um yeah back on him um which you assume would have to be his influence on her yeah uh i i mean that's the assumption again i make i guess i shouldn't use the second person there i make that assumption Mm -hmm. that that this is this is her you know uh accepting his sort of um empathy and and Mm -hmm. and personality there or maybe she had it all along and that's part of why they work well together but it's Mm -hmm. it's using his words as an expression of that empathy that maybe was already there with her yeah so um yeah. Anyway, that's very, very interesting. Obviously, I assume we're going to see River again. <laughs> um, well, and that's that's the only plus side to her dying in the first episode is you, you'll probably see her again. So, well, and that's exactly what she says to him. Yeah, right? it's 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 okay for you. You'll see me again. It's not over. You know, yeah. you've got all of that to come. You and me in time and space. You watch us run, and. And that's the happy part, right? Yeah. Like you said, like, you know, that's, that's the consoling part of this whole dichotomy is that, that there will be more and we'll get to see those good times that she's in that moment remembering. Yeah. Um, and not wanting to be changed. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, oh God. All right. And and I and sorry. So and then he says to her cuz she says that you watch us run. That's what he repeats that back to her having having yeah. received this faith well back to her back to the sonic screwdriver that contains her yeah. in that moment. Uh one last run. Yeah. Right? You, yeah. you you know one one last run come with me. He's he hasn't run with her yet. So for him this last run is really kind of the first one. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's, 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 uh, what's the, uh, yeah, and, like but that's the, like again the, his, it's a sort of Ouroboros, you know, kind and that's of again, feeling. I think his empathy for her, you know, is he doesn't, he doesn't have all that, uh, meaning, but he knows that she does. So mm-hmm. and, I know and that I, because like, of the bond yeah. of her whispering that to him and, yeah. and showing the empathy and, I mean, why sorry that you're whispering someone's own name to them like that? There's great mystery there, yeah. right? Like that, that she not only that she understands that it could be painful for him, but that she takes them more time to express her sorrow <laughs> at yeah. hurting him in that moment um, than it actually takes to to do the hurting, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, lots of roundabouts there and 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 paradoxy yes. paradoxes. Um 
And anyway, um, I have a feeling we're going to be over time on this. Yeah, I have a feeling too, because I need to say a few more things about the doctor. Yeah, um, go at it. All right. Well, first is you were just talking about the moment when she whispers his name. And then I love that part where he, she goes, you know, are we good? Yeah, we're good. And then you kind of see him like just stand there quietly for a moment. And then he plunges back right back into like, you know, his normal blustery, you know, take charge kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it was interesting. The commentary is for this one was um, Moffat and Davies and Tennant. So um, and it's a great commentary. They're fanboys. So most of the time they're just talking about classic who and everything. But um, (laughs) but I thought this was interesting. They all kind of paused to kind of talk about the significance of that moment and kind of what and they all had a slightly different take on it which i'm not saying any of them are right or maybe all of them are in different ways but they kind of did a little analysis of what that means so mm-hmm. moffat kind of pointed out how it seems like in with river telling him that he for a moment is just a, a normal sized person like he you know the he's not larger than life he's just a bloke as Moffat calls him and then he you see him kind of as Moffat says it kind of shoulders the mantle of the doctor again like okay Mm. let me pick up this heavy sack again and get back to work you know after a moment of giving himself reflection um Tennant kind of talks about from his approach how he kind of wanted it to seem like He's overcompensating a bit. He's shouting at people a little more than he normally would. He's that's the part where he's like, you know, what's different? Come on, what's different? You know, like he has to yeah, like, yeah, yeah, you right. know, like he's a little bit on edge, and so he's maybe being a little, you know, pushier than, you know, it, it kind of is a giveaway that he's uh, seems to be like anxious, I guess, um, and then. Davies went so far as to suggest that the to what extent is that persona of being in charge and being hyper competent and everything kind of an act that like in a moment of River bringing him kind of back down to size and telling him this really significant thing um, that then he has to almost almost like an actor go back into performance mode. Okay, yeah, how does the doctor... He's on stage. How does the, the doctor talk? How yeah. does the doctor act? And I'm going to... So, you know, make of that what you will. I thought those were all really interesting insights into mm. kind of both the way it's written and the way it's acted and what that tells you about the character, I guess. Um, yeah, and I think all three of those could sort of work together. Like I don't, Like you said, I don't think anyone is more right necessarily than the other but yes that's very interesting so um i wanted to bring that up i also want to bring up um these this idea of river again the the nostalgia for the future river's use of the my doctor but Mm -hmm. talking about a a future doctor doctor. a different and not and not a past doctor doctor. well and not even a past one you know it's not it's not uh, Sarah Jane saying, oh, you've regenerated and you've changed. This is someone saying, uh, you know, he says, I am the doctor. And she goes, yeah, someday. Like, you know. Right. Like he could still look the same, but there's experience that 
Yeah. He needs to obtain and, and in order to get there. Yeah, and so that kind of being an interesting twist that, you know, not only is this not quite her doctor, it's it's the uh, the opposite direction and we're used to seeing that phrase applied. But also mm. the things that she um lists, you know, she's where's the quote? Um she says uh oh goodness, where is it? Um, like, you know, my, like the snapping the fingers, the snapping the fingers. That's the one I was trying to find. Um, yeah, that like my doctor, I've seen him turn an army around with the mention Mm -hmm. of his name and he, you know, swaggers back to his TARDIS and opens it with a snap of his fingers. Um, and we see him do those things by the end of the episode, the obvious one being the snap of the fingers. Um, but the moment with the Vashta Narada where he says, you know, don't play games. I'm the doctor and you're in the biggest library in the universe. Look me up. And yeah. he kind of plays chicken and they back off. He kind of just turned an army around with the mention of his name and that the that whether or not they looked him up or whether his sheer confidence is what turned them around, they had the sense that this is not someone to be trifled with. You know, and they right. give him his day, you know, to get everybody out. So I think it's kind of interesting that both that this doctor isn't quite up to whatever standard she has for future doctorhood, but also that he starts to become that by the end of the episode. And I guess mm-hmm. maybe partially in response to meeting her, because um, it's her that gives him the idea to snap his fingers. Right. He yeah, says you no, can't exactly. do that, but apparently you can. <laughs> so all it yeah. needed was for her to tell him, you know. My doctor can. Yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, I just wanted to make sure that those things got mentioned and everything. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that that's all good stuff. Um, and then and then there's him and Donna yeah. at the end. No. Um Sorry, go ahead. No, just that the, they make me sad. <laughs> they do. And and they're both for the different reasons. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, interesting that Donna, you know, <laughs> her whole, you know, oh, I made up the perfect man, you know, who doesn't speak and, yeah. <laughs> you know, this, that, and whatever. But uh, she didn't. Yeah. She didn't make him up. No. That's the thing. And, but I think that's, interesting because you get you know she she well what does that say about me the doctor says everything (laughs) wait no 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 i mean nothing but it really does kind of say everything about her um in in one sense you know just and not that that's a bad thing but it yeah it's what what does she desire i mean everyone has their own what do they look for in a mate and that's yeah that's what she found in a well, in a <laughs> yeah, 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 in a partner and whatever you want to call it, yeah, um, a companion even, yeah, uh, <laughs> but it does kind of say everything about her because that's that's she seems to think that it originated from her own mind. Well, it didn't. That's what I was going to say. Is it it at the very least it tells you a lot about Donna's perception of herself. That I mean, that right. now she goes looking for him. She doesn't totally assume that he was made up, but she seems pretty willing to believe that 
that would be what she would make up. And she's kind of looking for him to protest and say, no, 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 you know, but he kind of doesn't. But, um, well, but there's, there's the other aspect of it though, because she thinks that because she thinks, you know, she comes to realize that the things that she does is, you know, when she's in Cal in the computer and whatever, the things that she does are at least partly inspired by her will. Yeah. Like, you know, we talked about, yeah, like, no, and, she, and has, she kind of fills in the gaps. And she stuff. has cause so, to believe it. So there's yeah. cause to believe that. But, but what you don't think about is, is, well, maybe he was wanting to meet someone exactly like her too. Right. And, and why did they end up? Cause they, she was already at the river and then suddenly he appears there. Right. And if you, if you, if you sort of put that against what Evangelista says later when she's sitting all in black on the park bench, she says, you determined, you know, you were determined to meet me. And as soon as you made that decision, you were mm -hmm. here. Yeah. And so it's like, well, if Donna's already in a place yeah. and someone else appears, that means he was there to see her. Right. As much as she may have wanted to see him. So, right. you know, there's like the doctor's slip up of, of everything is actually yeah. kind of right, but it's not but necessarily she takes that a in bad a, thing. Yeah. Yeah. She takes that in a bad way. And I don't, I think that doesn't have to be taken in a bad way that can be taken in a, it, it's a good thing to, you know, sort of, you know, there's the Socrates know thyself, you yeah. know, that's, that's not a bad thing. If, if you can discover what it is you truly want and are able to find it. Yeah. Like, and definitely it's a moment of validation when you realize, you know, horrible though it is that he, doesn't get her name out in time at least you mm -hmm. you as the audience have a sense of he was real he really did feel the same way you know he's trying to call out for her too you know it's not just donna's fantasy and about what there is a she hope wants, there but yeah yeah there's yeah. a hope because he he at least knows that she's real as well but it's again it's ambiguous it's both the hope and the hope sort of seemingly snatched away so the the hope being though that they're still both alive and in the world in the universe or whatever and there's a potential that they could can still each find other each again. other yeah yeah i and maybe not maybe we'll never see the guy again i don't know what will happen obviously no spoilers mm. but um you know that's that there you're right there's a chagrin at her walking away but there's still the hope that something could eventually come out of it yeah um, so I, I, I like that exchange and, and, and of course there is sort of Donna has the sadness and, and, you know, there's this sort of the ironic of the, because I'm all right too, you know, yeah. the, the, I'm not really all right. Um, yeah. Well, in the, all right, we've heard that a few times from the doctor too, that that's sure. kind of a repeated thing of, are you all right? Always all right. You know, um, right. and Donna, you know, is kind of cuts through the BS and like, all right is time Lord code for not right. all is, right at all. This is opposite um, day. Yeah. 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 It's very English to say the exact opposite of what you mean. So, right. Right. Well, we, we, we proceed, right. What, um, yeah. What is in, a the Agatha Christie episode, right? Yes. Yeah. We're, we're, we, we continue on. Yeah. We, yeah. We persevere. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. um, they don't actually use those words. I can't remember the exact phrase. Carry on or something. Carry on. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Um, 
Um, so yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I know. Um, I, I think we hit all the major points. Vashtanarati. I sort of said that I thought they were an interchangeable beast. You had a slightly different take. Yeah, on I the mean, Vashtanarati I don't know. As a, They're not the most interesting part of the episode, obviously, but I still like them as like I. It's just another one. I don't know that we need to go into it too much further than by saying it's another example of the kind of monsters that Moffat is known for, which are ones which are a little more psychological, I guess. Like, the idea of them is maybe what's scary as opposed to, you know, their actual physical, you know. Like, they Mm -hmm. do chase people, but they're they're literally made of shadows. Like, these are the most low-budget monsters ever you know uh which you know it doesn't take a lot to look I don't at know, the absorbable off <laughs> well that's low budget in a different kind of way um but like it it doesn't take a lot to look at other things he's done like the simplicity of the weeping angels or even the empty child you know that these are not very physically complicated or even very threatening but mm. um but are the scariest because it's based more on the fact that you can't really see them. And, and again, again, bringing back to his thing of trying to scare the bejesus out of kids, you know, of making shadows in your bedroom even scarier. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, those are just sort of Moffat tropes that I always want to make sure we keep an eye on. And touch on. Yeah. Cool. Um, and that brings me to my production note. Do we have anything else to say to the episode before we start to No, I, I think we've wrap up. covered it. Well, I mean, okay. like I said, we could probably talk about yeah. it for hours, but yes. um, as much know, as we're going covered to. it as much as we're going to for the moment. Um, well, that brings me to my production notes, which I have two quick things. Um, so I want to just bring up this idea of writerly influence, because I think as the Davies era starts to wind down because we said last week the announcement was made about Moffat being next in line. Um, mm-hmm. So Davies is thinking about wrapping things up. Moffat's thinking about starting things up. And I think mm-hmm. you can kind of try to see them pushing each other and maybe even trying to learn from each other and going so far as to, I think you can see them overtly trying to imitate each other, you know, as a way of, Maybe not in a derivative way, but as a way of getting them out of their normal comfort zone. Like, what do you sure. think of as a Moffat episode versus a Davies episode? And okay. there might be other ones which are fit that a little bit better. I think you can see a little bit of that in the, in these episodes. Like, Moffat episodes tend to be a lot smaller, whereas this is a very big, epic, emotional kind of drama. And that, to me, is more of a Davies thing. Um, you know, and as the showrunner... It lends itself to that. That's mostly what he writes is like finales, premieres, Christmas specials, stuff like that. Um, okay. Where like big stuff goes down and characters, you know, mm-hmm. have huge life changes and deaths and partings, all these things. So I think you can kind of like see... Whedon and, and Buffy. Exactly. <laughs> he, he, he steps in for kind of the big Yeah, the big one. So I think uh, moments, you can kind yeah. of see Moffat taking a first stab at that. You know, this mm-hmm. isn't a season finale, but it kind of has that epic feel to it, I think. Sure. Um, and he gets to have a character... He kind of gets to do 
a companion leaving story without actually having a companion. Like, if you think of River as a pseudo companion for the episode, he gets to try his hand at, you know, farewelling a companion and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Next week, we're going to get an episode which I am sure is Davies saying, I'm going to try my hand at what I think a Moffat episode is. Um, Okay. So... Brace yourself. So for no that. spoilers, um, but yeah. <laughs> no spoilers, but I it's it's in my tippy top favorites. So I'll say that. Okay. Uh I think it comes off very well. But there you very go. Very cool. Um the only other production note being this was Moffitt's fourth straight Hugo nomination. Uh he did not win. He was the his streak was broken by this guy some guy named Joss Whedon. I don't know. Oh, really? He had this thing called Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, ah. and uh, and it swooped in and stole the fourth straight Hugo out of oh. Moffat's nose. So there you go. In the battle of Whedon versus Moffat. Um, Very interesting. Hugo has spoken, so. <laughs> well. Uh, huh. Which, you know, fair enough. Moffat was on quite a roll, so it was maybe somebody else's turn, but... uh, (laughs) Sure. Anyway, just wanted to mention that. Sure. Good to know. That's interesting. I had no idea that was the case, but... Oh, and I'm sorry. The only other thing being it, it, I've brought up that Mighty 200 fan poll when it's been relevant, and this one is another one which is understandably pretty high. It's number 24. So it has a very respectable place on that poll so yeah which means that which means that all four of moffat's first four episodes got in the top 25 so not a bad track record impressive not bad going into his you know into his tenure yeah very very good cool um now that we are egregiously over time uh, yeah not too bad ten yeah ten minutes 10 minutes. So, um, yeah, well then moving in enemies. So you're, you're starting out here. What's, uh, what, what do you, where you want to begin? So where I want to begin is, um, I feel like Buffy does this every so often where there are these kind of, you know, single word titles or sort of noun titles that when you think Mm -hmm. of, that seem just kind of like a generic episode title, but then when you think about it, you have to kind of think about what it's referring to. It's not immediately sure. obvious, you know. It might seem immediately like, you know, you know, the kind of the consequences type title. Like every show has an yeah. episode called Consequences, but but this one is one of those ones where you look at something like Enemies, and it seems like a generic title, and then you tr- start thinking about it, and I'm not quite sure, you know. I think there are some obvious and maybe some less obvious places that this could be going. So um, I just kind of wanted to bring that up as a lead-in to talking about the main triad of Buffy, Angel, and Faith. Um, Mm -hmm. And this concept of enemies. So who are the enemies of the episode? You know, and I think we have a few, certainly have two characters here, Angel and Faith, who are on that uh on that fence you know between friend or foe i guess you know good guy Mm -hmm. or bad guy um 
you know, and I guess the question being, are, you know, is one or both of them the enemy? You know, whose enemy are they? What makes an enemy? You know, can they ever come back to the good guy camp once they've stepped over that line? I think those are all the things yeah. that we're starting to, all the things that yeah. the title's making me think about. Yeah, no, definitely. And, <clears throat> and you get little moments where you think about it beyond just the context of the episode. Um, in particular, like for me, you get uh, when, when Angel and Faith are striding down the street and they see Xander <laughs> yeah. and Angel just lays them out. Yeah, yeah, that guy bugs think, me. And you think about all of the times that Xander has talked about Angel yeah. and said, you know, I don't trust this guy. There's something, yeah. even if he has a soul, there's something still rotten yeah. there. Yeah. And, and you see that. Um, and, and just touching momentarily back on our prior discussion about spoilers <laughs> we had, you know, uh, with Dr. Who, this is one of those episodes where it's hard to rewatch it because you, you know, that it's all fake. Um, Mm. not that that doesn't give you different insight. It certainly does, but it, there really is only a one time. Right. Uh, You'll never uh, experience have again. Of, yeah. Yeah. of, of the sort of the realization that, Oh my gosh, it was all, yeah, it was all a play. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. And I definitely had that. I definitely, um, if I had any, any sense of what was coming, it was more like, once it was revealed, you have that, oh, I should have seen that all along, you know? Right, but right. But I didn't, you know, even with Faith's thing, um, I, you know, I was sitting there going, she's changed her tune, you know? Like, that's pretty, after all these weeks of her, right. like, it seemed like a, an unprecedented change, but it wasn't until she actually went to the mayor that I went, oh. I should have known, you know? Right. And right. like the obvious, yeah, she seemed to be, the obvious uh, wasn't obvious until I had hindsight, you know? Yeah. She seemed to be a little too, uh, upset about killing a demon when, yeah, before she hadn't really showed much, yeah. uh, uh, pain at killing a human. Right. Yeah. So it seemed, it does seem a little out of place, but I know it, I know what you're saying there because you do get that sense of, I don't know, maybe she's, being earnest here like maybe it really did bother her yeah um seeing the blood on on her hands again maybe it just reminded her of alan yeah you know, it's and, just and... plausible enough that mm -hmm. you swallow it even if a part of you is like this is a little bit uncharacteristic you know yeah um yeah. angel i totally bought you know just and and it just seems like the kind of thing that happens, you know, periodically angels going to lose his soul. And then it just seemed like it's, th yeah, you this lost is, it last season. This, this has happened this. before. I'm we're, sure it'll happen again. Yeah. We're approaching the final yep. arc into the, into the finale. Yeah. Maybe he's going to have something to do with this ascension stuff. Yeah. 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 No, it totally, so you totally, you buy so, into it because of what you think is a cliche of the show. And then they, they're counting on you to buy into it because right. of they that. subvert their own yeah. subversions yeah. and yeah. Yeah. yeah um yeah i mean the the whole the whole so the the guy 
the magician there or whatever they he's just called the shrouded man yeah. like there's no he doesn't have an actual name in like the credits or anything yeah um but like the whole revelation that <laughs> giles introduced him to his wife and so yeah. he owed him one he, you know he, he, i introduced um, him to his wife that's you great know, obviously there's a thing there and so but you're right like there is this i mean there's a lot of the you know the whole vampire idea in general is you know has to do with blood and that there's something significant and powerful in people's blood and so you know the the splashing of the blood on him and you know additional magics and and all of that um is you're right it totally gives you that impression that this was a valid thing that happens and then to find out it was all just fake yeah. you know it was a it, they had a really good you know they had like industrial light and magic doing their special effects yeah. or something yeah, yeah. you know for for the you know all for the benefit of faith and then i think the thing that that you get with subsequent rewatches then is the working back of that mm. and trying to figure out when do people when know did, what's that's going exactly on like what each I was of them say. because because yeah. it because when you think about the fact that this this you know shrouded guy is there you're like well that means Giles had to have known pretty early on yeah yeah and and but it's still hard to sort of pick yeah that no moment. that's what I was doing on the second viewing was trying to figure out at what point do they formulate this plan you know mm-hmm. um and it's probably you know never a hundred percent clear um although it kind of seems like after faith's it it you're right because of the timing of it because of they had to get giles involved and he had to involve the shrouded man and everything it would seem that angel never really bought faith's initial plea for help in the first place that he went to buffy and said uh this is weird and they Mm -hmm you know, said, you know, and and they started to question what's faith doing behind our backs. Let's test it out, you know? And that brings up the question of then there's the whole conversation that Buffy has with Willow about seeing faith. Yeah. And is that a red herring? Yeah. Like, is that, is that Buffy tricking Willow Mm. into thinking something? And, but then you have to ask like, well, why would that be like, what would, what would, possibly be her motive for that and i don't know and 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 i gotta be honest i don't i don't know that i've been able to figure out see <laughs> i i would put it i would put it i would put the formulation of the plan just after that because it's that yeah. that's the conversation the first time that angel or faith goes to angel for help is the mm-hmm. time that buffy bumps into them so i think it's right after and, that. and leaves like sort of surreptitiously yeah. sees them and, yeah. and leaves yeah so i would put the point of origin as as after that that angel goes to buffy and giles and tells them what happened and the three of them concoct this you know plan to see let's put faith's loyalty to the test right. and see where well, it and, lies and, and you could be right i think um and i don't know that's it, a complete it's in that discussion that you know, Buffy has said she didn't actually talk to Angel about, um, you know, what they were Faith doing. There yeah, yeah. And, and Willow encourages her to talk to him. So And that's the impression pos- I get know, is that, that she's dancing around, that they're spending all their time talking about the plan, but they're not talking about the fact that Buffy is actually concerned about what she saw, too. 
Well, or or that she took Willow's advice and went and talked to Angel, and that's where they hatched the plan. Yeah, right, right. I don't, where they ended up talking about work and not like. <laughs> well, I, I we don't see the conversation, so we don't know all of what's entailed in yeah. there. Presumably, there is some discussion about the fact that Faith was there and Buffy saw them as well. I mean, that would have to come out. Yeah, it seems like, and it seems like it didn't come out in a way that was necessarily bad because they are working together and whatever. Well, and and at the end, Buffy says, you know, I know you only did what I asked, which means that this was at least to some extent her idea. Right. And that presumably Angel didn't like that idea. Yeah. Um, Who knows? And, 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 you know, and that takes us right back to the beginning and, and the concept of temptation and Buffy saying, I don't like to put you in positions where, uh, you know, you're tempted or the, or where, you, you know, um, yeah, you're aroused or, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever the, 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 you know, uh, moment might be, but then she goes and does that, you know, yeah. and it's not, it's not incidental. It's not, oops, we went to a erotic movie that right. sort of got us both dialed up a bit. Yeah. This is, I need you to do this and, and you know, it's going to be hard and dangerous and you're going to have to do things that you don't want to. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then Buffy of course is the one who says I need to take some time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very hard stuff there Um, yeah and i'm not quite sure yet like you know it kind of seems like it's not just plain old her not trusting him at the end you know because he kind of says he didn't want it to go that far and she says it's not even a question of that so the issue isn't i think you're secretly in love with faith you know like it's nothing as as kind of trite as that it's you know it's just the danger and the complication of these situations by nature of the fact of their relationship, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and there's, um, there's a slayage article by Stacy Abbott, um, who's written a number of things about Buffy and angel and all that. Um, she wrote an article called walking the fine line between angel and Angelus, uh, Angelus. And, and in there, um, I think she does sort of hit on, on that idea that that we see Buffy having sort of at the end there. And, and she says um, the effectiveness of Angel's performance in this particular episode as Angelus uh, in order to trick Faith is unsettling to both the audience and Buffy because it undermines the separation that has been established between the two sides of Angel's character. Yeah. Um, you know, both his having a soul and, and his not having a soul. And it's that it's it is that very idea that he's really good yeah at being angelus even though by the end we know he wasn't actually angelus yeah he and i think if anything that that seems to be what buffy is reacting to at the end it's not you know it's not about faith it's not about yeah you know thinking that he fell in love with anyone else because you can sort i mean even even um you know, as Willow sort of explains, it's, 
yeah, Faith would totally steal your boyfriend, but right. your boyfriend would never, ever be with someone like Faith. Yeah. Unless he had his soul ripped out of him again. Yeah. Right. Like that's the thing. So, but it's the seeing that possibility, the potential of, of there being, uh, you know, another episode of Angel losing his soul that, yeah. that is, that seems to be her placing, um, you, you know, a, a boundary that at the beginning of the episode, they were still sort of toying with or, or yeah. identifying or, you know, whatever, however you want to look at that, um, you know, at the beginning. So, yeah, yeah it's just kind a very... of a, it's kind of a reminder of what it would mean for him to go back to that, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, they've been kind of willing to have something, a relation, but like, you know, how much how much of a relationship can they really have if this is always going to be between them you know how they can't be fully together they can't be fully intimate you know or it's mm-hmm. going to be this all over again and so you know it's kind of like a you know yeah a, a big Whoa. a big violent reminder of you know, remember what you went through and remember how much that sucked, you know, and how neither painful of you want, it was yeah, for all of us. Yeah. Neither of you want that again. And so there's that sense of, um, yeah, pulling back more in fear of that than like any actual attraction to faith, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, and speaking of faith. Yes. Because um, we've talked a lot about Buffy and Angel, yeah, <laughs> not quite as much about Faith. I mean, there. So, you know, we talked about the fact that maybe Faith already has sort of gone through her turning point, and this is the continuation yeah. right down the road. Like, I don't think there's anyone. I mean, even the Scoobies all sort of know which way she's headed now, whereas before it was sort of ambiguous to them, even if we we're seeing it as an audience. Yeah. Um, uh, to quote sort of from another, um, Slayage article, this one by Rhonda Wilcox. Um, she says, uh, there's a very simple expression of an idea by Jung, um, the realm of the shadow as the negative side of personality and she sort of suggests there's actually a lot of spoilers in her (laughs) in her paragraph there but basically she she sort of suggests that um starting with the this episode uh the dark-haired violent promiscuous slayer faith becomes buffy's shadow figure in that sort of union sense yeah um and 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 so well, it's kind of like we couldn't if, have seen. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, it's sort of like if if it's sort of akin to the relationship between Angel and Angelus. You know, is Buffy and Faith have a sim? I mean, more so they're their own people. They're less, uh, mm-hmm. you know, two um, doppelgangers or two op- aspects of the same personality. But there's still that sense of um, the, you know. Buffy through a mirror darkly, you know, Buffy, Buffy gone bad, you know, comes out the other side looking like Faith. Um, I mean, we talked about that in The Wish, that the Buffy without the Scoobies wasn't unlike Faith. Um, 
And faith, faith kind of alludes to that at the end when she says the, you know, you, you can't, you can't kill me or you'll become me, you know? So right. there is that suggestion that given certain choices and circumstances, that's the difference that there is maybe not much of a difference. It's a difference of, you know, choice and circumstance, yes. not of different kinds of being, you know, that Buffy could become faith if she let that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting too, that line from faith, because she's been so superior the whole episode, you know, it's all about, you know, you think you're better than me and all this stuff. But in that line, she kind of accepts her role as the shadow. Like she kind of accepts that she's the negative of Buffy's mm. positive. Like by saying, kill me, you become me. She's almost kind of dehumanizing herself a little bit, you so, know? So she might be a little bit aware of, you know, for all her kind of, you think you're better than me stuff. She kind of knows Buffy's better than her, and she kind of knows that she's the, the, the reversed, you know, image of what the Slayer yeah. should be. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think it's sort of surprising to hear Buffy say that as well. Yeah, Cause, yeah. Because when when Faith says, um, like you were just saying, you know, when Faith is saying, "Oh, do you think you're better than me? Do you say it? Say you think you're better than me." You almost expect Buffy to say, no, no, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. But she doesn't. Yeah. She says, I am. Yeah. And I always have been. Yeah. So it's, you're right. I think that Faith is sort of accepting that shadow, the negative of Buffy. And Buffy is finally sort of realizing and, and accepting it as well. Like, yeah. I can't save Faith. There's It's not possible at this point. Yeah. She is the opposite of me. And I just you know, any idea of, of any possibility of there being two of us working together. Yeah. No, no, that can't be. Yeah. Well, and we there's like, to... there's, there's, there's reasonable human flaw and then there's torturing and killing people and that there mm. are certain lines that, you know, and it's like even Buffy in that moment who tries to be sympathetic and humble and all these things even Buffy has to admit there is a fundamental difference here and I would be, you know, silly to deny it, you know? So yes, right. you are and, demonstrably or I am demonstrably better than you, you know? Right. And, and we sort of gotten hints of that before, like um, with the whole, you know, fate saying, well, who's going to weep for, you know, some stupid guy who got himself yeah. killed. And Buffy said, I, I am, I will, I will weep for him. You know, that's, that's what my job is sort of in a way. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and, and Faye saying, well, I don't care, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But now this is, this is, yeah, this is that dividing line. Yeah. This is showing that, um, I, I also find it interesting sort of the, the diatribe, um, that Faith gives, you know, sort of leading up to that moment of, you know, the, the, everyone always asks, why can't you be more like Buffy? But did anyone ask if you could be more like me, you get the watcher, you get the mom, you get the Scooby gang. What do I get? Jack squat. And, and you sort of see, um, now, I, I mean, faith has a number of, uh, uh, 
ideas about the way things should be. <laughs> um, but in this sense, you sort of get like her particular beef with Buffy, right? It's yeah. it's that she's that it's Buffy who's the slayer. We don't really say Faith the Vampire Slayer. Right. We say Buffy the Vampire right. Slayer, right? Like it's right. There's Buffy the Vampire Buffy, Slayer. Er, and Faith, Faith is Faith is a vampire <laughs> slayer, but Buffy is the right. vampire slayer. <laughs> and and there's an interesting so you didn't you never you didn't get that sense with Kendra, right? Like once once Buffy and Kendra sort of worked out their Yeah. The fact that they were both slayers and, and whatever, like Kendra sort of fell in line and, and they worked together and Yeah. Obviously we've seen Faith much more than we ever saw Kendra. So that's you know, difference there. But but you get this sense of like you wonder you, you know, you ask you ask about um or she asks about how you know why everyone says can't you be more like Buffy? You almost wonder if if Buffy didn't exist, would would she be? Because she would be the one in power, the one getting the attention, the one having yeah, you know, to be relied upon and that kind of thing. It's possible to think that she might actually have worked out okay in that situation. That yeah, if she wasn't playing second fiddle, she she might be perfectly willing to go along with the council and to fight the demons and, and yeah. whatever, because she'd be the one getting that glory. Right. Um, maybe not. I mean, that's, that's one possibility there. It's possible. She would be totally rogue and there wouldn't be a second slayer to stop her. So, right. you know, no, but it seems like the anger is directed at Buffy, you know, like, yeah. And, 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 not even at Buffy herself, but the position that Buffy represents over her. Yeah. Um, Buffy is to Faith the original Slayer. Faith was called as a Slayer later. Yeah. Like, you know, Buffy had already been a Slayer for several years at that point, or a couple years anyway, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I It's just a thought that I had uh, this particular time, one that I hadn't ever really sort of put together before. Uh that yeah, you get this idea that that maybe just maybe things would be different if if faith really was the only one. Yeah. So who knows? Um. Yeah. So so what else? Um. Before we move on, what else about these these three? This this whole little triangle. Um. um any any other thoughts? Let me see. Um. Well, you know, I just with faith again the um the when she goes into the apartment to take the books um mm. that demon was actually getting on my nerves so i kind of don't mind that he's gone but um i think it's <laughs> and as faith says a demon's a demon, a demon's a demon. Mean... but uh but um i thought that was pretty striking the way she just you know brutally took him out for no reason other than that she wanted the books you know and um you know and even i think it's kind of surprising how he he seemed so sort of mousy but uh he gives a pretty good fight and she yeah and she you know has to fight and you know really violently right, she thought it was going to be easy yeah um yeah. so that, uh, kind of an interesting way to do it and um i just thought that was that just stuck out to me. Like I didn't necessarily go through episode by episode and, you know, but I think that's 
one of the most sort of brutal scenes we've seen so far, you know, like it's usually a more choreographed fight, you know, of, you know, mm. kicks yeah. and punches and jumps and, and taking out the, whereas this was just like a dirty scrap on the floor where, yeah. you know, uh, so it had it's a kind of, and, it had yeah. a kind of visceralness that like when it's Buffy or even Faith doing their proper Slayer thing, there's like a, you know, more, I guess, gracefulness to it. And you have a sense of the nobility of fighting evil and all these things. Whereas this seemed like murder, like a back alley kind of going into someone's apartment and assaulting them and stealing from them. You know, it's so the kind of unchoreographed, just, you know, messiness of it was really what jumped out to me, which I thought was kind of a interesting way to show again faith's further descent you know each episode she seems to be doing going further you know crossing another line you know like she's she finds some new boundary to transgress each each week it seems for the last couple episodes yeah 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 um i have to agree with you on the annoyingness of the demon um on the other hand, you get the sense. So there is there is that you know other dichotomy of of you know like I mentioned, Faith says a demon's a demon, and and Buffy's kind of like ah eh, let him alone. He doesn't seem like the menace to humanity type, right? This yeah. is, um, you know, and not that Spike was harmless or anything, but this is I would put on the same scale as Spike, right? This is a guy. Who, yes, technically he's himself. a demon. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's just kind of like, he's looking for money. Yeah. He's not looking for blood sacrifice or whatever. And I like I like Giles' comments throughout the episode yeah. of the, the standards of His demons. standards, nowadays. yeah. But you do get this idea that this is like a demon who doesn't really care about like tradition or whatever. Yeah. Like he's, he's selling some old books for some quick cash to get out of town. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so... In that respect, and we don't know anything about him. We don't even know his name or what he's done. I mean, maybe he has committed horrible atrocities and completely deserves to be killed. But we don't know any of that. And that's that's sort of interesting. Like, again, I, I've pointed it out a couple of times. I would just say, you know, keep looking at those sorts of things when we meet these demons that, you know, um, the mayor says, well, what, you know, what kind of demon was he? What did he look like? And, you yeah. know, to, to face, she just says, he looked demonic. demonic. I mean, yeah. like, like, what are you kidding me? Like, but then we also get in this episode, the, uh, hint that the mayor himself may not be human. Mm. So like, well, and not everything a- demonic is necessarily demonic, you know, like, the, right. The, well, and that's, the shadow, that's sort the, of the... the shrouded man plays a convincing villain, but ends up being one of the good guys, you know. And so looks aren't everything. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and the so mayor he... looks normal, but we've gotten the hints that he might not be. Um, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, the superficial demonicness seems to not really convey all that much about character i guess yeah and like and i don't again i don't want to make too much of it because 
again, we don't know what this particular demon did. He, like I said, he may have killed lots of people and deserved to die and whatever. That's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think we're going to shed many but tears But he certainly didn't, him. didn't, de- he didn't deserve to die in the way, or I wouldn't, whether, regardless of whether he deserved it or not, that's not why Faith killed him. You know, right. you don't get the sense that right. Faith had any issue with his demonicness. She just wanted those books, you know. Right. And that right. could have been a person. And I don't know that the way she's been acting, she would have handled it all that differently. It's not like she killed him because he's evil and it's her job to fight evil. She killed him yeah. because the master, or the not the master, the mayor sent her there to get the books. So, yeah. you know. Right. And that's what yeah, and sticks out more than what he may or may not have done to deserve that. And I, yeah, and I think that's exactly what we're supposed to be thinking of is, is like you said, like, had this been a person, Faith may still have gone and done it. Right. Because that, it didn't really matter that he was a demon or not. Yeah. Um, it seems. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. yeah. And she seems willing to do all manner of violent things to Buffy. You know, now we didn't get that far. Could she have chickened out? Sure. But she's not, she, she's not opposed to the idea of doing violence to humans. And, and, you know, we saw what she was starting to do to Xander. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in, in, uh, in previous episodes. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely, um, a spiral here and she's continuing to sort of, well, spiral down it. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and so, yeah, I think those are all, those are all right to look at with regard to faith. Um, and there's an interesting dynamic between her and the mayor that continues to be played out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on the whole, well, Daddy Mayor thing. You know, I've been kind of wondering <laughs> what the what the appeal of the mayor is for her, other than just, I guess, power. Um, but you know, I thought it was in that little moment where he says not to kill Buffy right away because we don't want any replacement slayers, and he says they can't all turn out like my girl Faith, and she gets that little proud smile, like she just got complimented on her homework or something and Mm -hmm. you know maybe that's simple or i don't know but it seems like he appreciates her you know she's Mm -hmm. his she's his faithful servant she's the one who goes out and gets business done and is good at it and he you know gives her presents and she gets to feel appreciated and like she's the best one and all this like you know I guess all this stuff of how she wishes it were if Buffy weren't around. So yeah. um, that seems like kind of a childish thing to re- to go over to the dark side for, but maybe Faith is a little bit childish. So, well, and and like, well, and we've heard that she may not have had the best of upbringings. Yeah. You know, uh, not to necessarily compare her to Cal, <laughs> like we, you know, in Doctor yeah. Who, but but you know. It, it we do we have gotten the sense before that faith grew up a little faster than than maybe yeah would have been good for her yeah. or or that she should have or whatever um so you know 
I don't think that that's a wrong analysis on, <laughs> you know, with what you're saying. Like, I, I definitely think that that seems to be right, especially given what we already talked about, like with her saying to, to Buffy that she's jealous of all these things that Buffy has. Yeah. And now she has someone who is willing to do things for her and give her stuff, like you said. And Yeah. And, well, and, and now that I'm looking at my notes, I'm kind of seeing how a lot of the dialogue supports that idea because he's saying all these parental things, you know, like, I wish you'd pull your hair back and give it, mm-hmm. he gives her milk and he says, have her home by 11 and all this stuff. So right, right. he's kind of, and he, and he even kind of slips in there. What are your intentions? You yeah. Know, to yeah. Angel? So like, maybe, there's, I there's mean, the, it might be yeah. kind of sarcastic on his part, but he's at least playing into this idea of being the fatherly mentor, you know, mm-hmm. who's, who's proud of his surrogate slayer daughter. And she, mm-hmm. you know, as, in, as much as it seems like that's that would be easy to see through, she seems to be, you know, buying into that, you know. Like, she, yeah. on the one hand, she's aware of her own, like, she kind of mocks her own, like, maybe it's one of those bad childhood things. Like, so that kind of seems like she's dismissive of it, but mm-hmm. she also seems to actually feel that way. Like, maybe this guy actually is a father you know or mentor or parent in a way that she never had and she's you know yeah well and and um in in, it was it the last episode i think where you know she even made the sugar daddy joke right oh yeah and and he kind of came down hard on her for that. like like legitimately like you know i'm 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 a family man i don't take to that sort of thing and i i guess i would i would sort of challenge the idea that it was that it is um facetious on his part even because i think part of what we're seeing is that she didn't just take over for mr trick she also took over for alan Mm. and 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 it seemed like there was a genuine affection for alan as much trouble as he gave him like there there the mayor seemed to be legitimately upset at alan's loss and he was you know, uh, consternated when Alan didn't show up for, for the ritual that, that they had planned and that kind of thing. And like, you know, Alan, Alan's always usually so punctual and, and, you know, like he, he was very concerned with, with that. Um, and, and I, and it doesn't seem that that was just due to, you know, because he's screwing things up for me, but that there was an actual concern there. So I guess, I would just sort of say, I don't know. Do you think that that is the same with faith? Maybe we need more data, Hmm. you know, whatever, but yeah, I guess that's based on my, my kind of reading of the way the actor's playing the part that because everything's played with this kind of, um, you know, smile and everything's very political, then that makes Mm -hmm. me, not necessarily trust what he's saying that that everything is yeah, and that is could be kind well. of rosy on the surface and rotten underneath you know that's the that's the sense i've gotten from him but i'm willing to uh reconsider if that turns out not to be the or, case so yeah i guess or or all i'm saying is maybe keep an open mind yes yes um, 
And I hadn't really considered the fact that he might be sincere about that. So I'll kind of, you know, I'm not saying I've changed my mind, but I'll keep that. I'll, the fact that you've mentioned that now is like interesting as I go forward to have those. Yeah, as well, two and I hope I didn't say too much or anything. No, about no. Anything. So, uh, you know, there's also the possibility that we just are reading things two different ways. Yes. So, well, and that's what um, I'm saying is like, it could just be my reading of what the actor's doing. That's not necessarily related to any actual anything in the episode. So, um, I will keep an open mind about that. Well, and it's, it's perfectly valid to, to interpret the way one, presents a line or the way one looks as they're saying it and, and all of that. So interesting. Mm. Um, the, uh, let's see, let's see here. Where, where do we go from here? Anything else about the mayor? Um, um, well, they find the picture of him in the, in the book. Oh, right. Yeah. How about exact same guy, like exact same guy. <laughs> um, so, so they now, and, and angel, saw that he's impervious so they're starting Mm -hmm. to learn a little bit more about uh that there may be more to him than meets the eye and yeah and we get the line um that he built the town we so we get a faith saying that he built the town for demons to feed on so yeah that's an interesting sort of idea that sunnydale isn't necessarily uh a sort of like you know you get a lot of like little towns that just sort of organically grow up right you know there's they're smaller and then they kind of spread out and there's suburbs and whatever like this seems to be talk about like city planning like this it seems for over a hundred and i I forget if they say when the picture is from like uh, Wesley surprised that the mayor is more than a hundred years old. I think I think we just know that it's over a hundred years, but it's unspecified yeah. exactly how old. But like a hundred years ago, he looked the same, so it could be several hundred years. Like we don't know right how far back yeah, like the exactly. mayor himself yeah, yeah. actually goes. So or how long he's been working at this ascension thing. Yeah. Um, and you sort of start thinking like, hmm. Why do, you know, why are there tunnels that lead to crypts and, you know, like stuff beneath the town? Like how many miles of sewer pipe are actually beneath this town? Yeah. How many graveyards does one town need? And and why why would there be a town ever built on a hellmouth to begin with? Well, we're starting to see that maybe there's there's a little more purpose, a little more design. uh, Yeah you know, to this, at least that, and, and that's all just from a sort of offhand comment by faith. So, you know, I don't want to read too much into that, but. Well, and it, it's the same thing as like you getting lured in by Angelus, I think is the show incorporating its own cliches. So like we know sure. stuff about sun, we know it's on the Hellmouth. We know there's random ancient crypts in this fairly modern community all over the like things which seem like fodder for parody but then the Mm -hmm. story actually subverts that and says actually this isn't just kind of a 
it's not all just a matter of suspension of disbelief. We're actually going to incorporate those things, or potentially could incorporate those things into the show, that there could be a reason things are like this. You know, it's mm -hmm. not all just the convenience of the plot. Like, we need crypts so that we can have, you know, places for demons to hide or whatever. Like, maybe there's actual, you know, mm -hmm. reasoning behind the way this town is, I guess. Right. So yeah, yeah. Um, well, and it and it points to we haven't talked about sort of the levels of knowledge idea, but it mm. points to to a whole other sort of if the mayor's been doing and working towards this this whole time, then it's not just even like you know we get political cover ups now and <laughs> they might last few years or a decade or yeah. even a couple of decades right you know after presidential tapes are released or whatever yeah we're talking on the level of centuries now that we're you know that yeah. we've had this guy helping to cover things up and um holly chandler uh is a scholar um who kind of writes on this topic and and you know writing about the mayor um she she says, you know, although he spouts nothing but traditional family values, he he turns out to be a hypocrite. Um, the adults in Sunnydale, like the people in real life who fail to question the system, never notice what's happening under their noses. And she points back to like um, way back to The Harvest, the second episode of season one. Yeah. You know, where Giles says people have a tendency to rationalize what they can and forget what they can't. Yeah. Um, and then, and then refers to this, you know, like we talked about that the mayor built the town for demons to feed on, um, and, and, and talks a little bit, you know, more about how that, <coughs> excuse me, how that whole, uh, idea of, you know, everything from the sewer pipes and, and everything underneath yeah. sort of build on this whole, uh, structure of of and 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 she goes on to talk about sort of the ideas of patriarchy and 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 stuff uh other images in in buffy but yeah just that there's this it, it's this ignorance or yeah. or even intentional ignoring of the problems and and yeah and the that, that you you're that are, you're unaware of the systems in which your society is founded i guess yeah yeah no, exactly along those lines. Um, and we even got some of that in uh, the Hansel and Gretel episode, right? Yeah. With, with um, Joyce, you know, saying up there, no, this town is not a good town. Well, that gives a whole new flavor when you realize that the mayor actually built the town. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, you know, the mayor's saying, oh, this is a good place. And, you know, this and that and the other thing. And, and Joyce is saying, no, this is actually not a good place. Yeah. And yeah. So. Yeah. Um, no, definitely. Yeah, that he's and, and, he sorry. he and and not just him, but the, the 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 villains and you know the bad guys and everything are maybe they're not just supernatural invaders from outside, but they're woven into the even the mundane fabric of society too. You know mm -hmm. that they're part of. It's not like these demons just turn up from nowhere. They're actually part of the system. And they're, yeah, they're planned for, yeah. right? They're, um, and and we've also seen that he kind of keeps out some that he doesn't want. Right, there as the, well. he's he's the puppet master. He's only letting yeah. in. He'll let in the demons, which 
you know, have a beneficial effect and he'll eradicate the ones which are causing mm -hmm. trouble to him, you know. Right. It's, it's his own little garden and he's yeah. weeding it as yeah. he goes along. Um, but he doesn't like to think about bad stuff. No. He likes good, positive up thoughts. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh. Yeah. Uh, you know, like killing and maiming Buffy, you know. Yeah. But not too and the fast. Multiple ways, the multiple ways to skin a cat. Yeah. And I happen <laughs> to know that's factually true. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, and I think that's what, obviously, why I don't trust anything is because everything, every, like, you use the word hypocritical that you quoted in there. Everything nice is undercut with something evil and nasty and you know sure and and sure. you know again i'm willing to see other nuances but i certainly whenever he i i have not been given reason to believe uh you know the good sentiments i'm more inclined to to call him hypocrite at this point and to say sure. that that is a false sentiment um so that's my and reading I... at this point I won't say that that's a wrong interpretation. I, I'm just, I'm just asking the question yeah. of: Do you think he is, or is not sincere? Mm -hmm. And you've answered. Cool. Very uh, interesting. So the other bit of information before we move on, I, I don't think we have much to say about the other characters, fortunately, because yeah. <laughs> so, we don't have much time to say anything. No. About them. Um, but before we move on, just wanted to make sure we all we all got the uh, the the idea that graduation day yes. is when this is all supposed to go down. Yes, I did get It was that. repeated a couple of times just to make sure we understood. Yes, Buffy and Angel uh, both made very sure that they both heard that. Did you hear graduation day? I heard graduation yeah. day. Did you hear graduation day? Yes, I heard graduation day. It's like, I wonder if graduation is <laughs> going to be important. Not, um, incidentally, the you know season finale episodes yeah. are titled graduation day, which I think you already knew. Um, but I mean that doesn't give away any of the plot. Yeah, they per still se, don't know other, anything about what's going to happen. Yeah. Other than that, there may or may not be an ascension of sorts, as there, <laughs> you know, may or may not have been other various apocalypses at the uh, season finales of the two previous that yeah. we've seen. Um. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Uh, there's there's also the sort of the stated metaphor <laughs> for the you know what a scary event you know that graduation day yeah um which which you know is which is ascension. kind of an ascension yeah that's what yeah I was of of sorts i mean yeah. i i don't i think that's pretty intentional we've gotten away from the sort of metaphor of the week although we still get them from time to time but i think if you're looking at the metaphor of the season that's mm. sort of the what's been building and we've we've gotten you know, with the SATs and, and with the career day stuff, yeah. right. And, and, and other sort of, well, and it's kind of, it's kind of adulthood, right. Which is mm -hmm. the, almost the villain of the season. Like that's what's looming and that's, what's terrifying. Yeah. Well, and we've spent the last, you know, I mean, technically four years, but we've been with them for three, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, years, you know, looking at, yeah what what's ahead and and we know that buffy continues for several seasons so this is this is the expectation right that 
there is something coming after high school. We don't know what it is Mm -hmm. and it can be rather scary. Um, So we may or may not get more of that in the episodes leading up to the season finale. Okay. Um, (laughs) I will not say one way or the other. All right. But yeah. Anyway. Um, What do we have on the rest of the Scooby gang? All right. Probably Willow. Well, I mean, we have Willow, Xander, Cordy, Wesley, Giles. Okay. Anything you want to say about any of them, Um, either together or individually? Well, Willow, another kind of mention of her uh, dabbling. Um, She got, well, A, that she seems to kind of know more than the Watchers in this case. She kind of Mm. has knowledge that they don't have. And she got that from books, which Giles doesn't think she's ready for. So he's specifically (laughs) withholding certain levels of magical information and she's specifically going out of her way to attain it as is usually yeah. what happens when you tell a kid they can't have something right sort of that quintessential forbidden knowledge yeah. is yeah. yeah um and uh i guess i mean the only other thing i have is her sort of talk to buffy um yeah and uh again you know we're getting willow's uh dislike a faith to put it kindly that you know faith faith would sure. totally do that she was built to do that she's the do that girl um mm-hmm. so you know and gives buffy some very sensible advice so um yeah nice to see <laughs> nice to see her I, being supportive i guess i i just i have to say i love that i too know the love of, of a taciturn man, man yeah <laughs> um which i i wouldn't think of oz as taciturn but i guess maybe Okay. Um, the uh, yeah, no, I think those are right. I don't think there's a lot, but what Willow gives us is definitely important. So yeah, right, right on there. Um, Xander, <laughs> the only thing I wanted to point out about him, um, well, I guess a couple things, but they're not real important. But one, I just I had to laugh at his sudden interest of the uh, hidden books and and the the one thing that his mind jumps to as to why a book might be hidden is because there might be engravings mm. of frolicking nymphs that he could perhaps look at um which is a callback to i don't know if you remember in the episode witch uh uh-huh. in 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 season 1 when uh willow was looking up uh the books on witchcraft and noticed that xander had checked some of them out and why had he checked them out it was very much to look at the engravings and yeah. these semi-nude pictures in those books so i just thought that was kind of a funny yeah somewhat obscure callback but uh he just sort of perks up when he hears that there's forbidden books yeah uh as well and For and slightly and, different reasons yeah and and the idea of why they might possibly be forbidden yeah. that he goes right to the um the visceral yes yes <laughs> sexual, of course uh, yeah thing. no willow's yeah. is forbidden knowledge and xander's is Forbidden physical stuff. <laughs> Simulation, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we briefly talked, too, about the moment when Angel punches him, which is another mm-hmm. one which plays great on the second viewing, because you have to think that that's Angel punching him, not Angelus. <laughs> that this is... He has, he has an excuse to just 
let him have it and say that guy just bugs me and you know yeah. that that's angel speaking um right and, and and the best deceptions have a have an element of truth, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but this this is just the perfect excuse to do what he's been wanting to do. Um, but I like too how that that Xander's getting punched serves as a nice kind of counterpoint to Buffy too, because you know when when Xander finds out that uh, you know it was all you know Buffy says it was all an act and. Xander's like, oh, you know, that makes up for everything. You know, I'm so glad to know that he did it on purpose. It's a good bruise. Right. And it, right. it makes me think of Buffy because just because it's kind of like Xander saying, just because knowing that it was an act doesn't make it hurt any less. You know, it's yeah. still a bruise. Yeah. It might be exactly. a good bruise, but it still is a bruise and it's still painful. Yes. And that's kind of the sense you get from Buffy. Um, and also... Mm-hmm. The way she kind of is repeating to him, you know, don't be mad at him. It was just an act. And you know yeah. she's trying to convince herself of that. And she's not. Yeah. She's with Xander. She's maybe less sure than she was about the line between the two of them. Um, yeah. So I kind of, not only is that punching really funny, but I like that little insight. Like that that kind of is almost a metaphor for mm-hmm. what Buffy's like, Xander goes through a little microcosm of what Buffy goes through in this episode. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, that's interesting. Uh, I, I think that's spot on. And I like. I thought it was funny. His jealousy of Wesley, limey bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the best British insult. He yeah, it kind of is. Uh, <laughs> Um, well, okay. So speaking of Wesley yes. and why Xander might be jealous of him. Um, yes. Uh, well, I guess I guess even before we get to the Wesley Cordelia thing, um, interesting that Wesley hasn't notified the council about certain things. Yeah. Did, how? Did, what's your take on that? Um, I guess I would well, just throw that there. I or mean, do you have a initial, take? I mean, maybe my initial take would be his own sense that he's in over his head so it kind of is Mm. nice to keep giles around you know the the more the more experienced and street smart watcher i guess um although although he still thinks of giles as working for him not with him yeah well so those would be the things that i sort of took away from that right and i think it's that sort of tacit acceptance of that maybe he doesn't know everything just because he's been through watcher training yeah oh, <laughs> um yeah. that that not that wesley doesn't still have his faults but at least it's like a micro step in the right direction yeah. um which is kind of a weird thing to say that his not letting the council know something is actually a good step it seems well but it does seem to be because i think we're not totally sure that the council always knows what's best and it seems like the best people the the buffies and the giles go outside of the box a little bit you know and yeah you know maybe don't totally bend the rules to their will like faith does but who are not so you know wesley seemed too much a system man in the beginning yeah so right he's caught up in the bureaucracy he's maybe 
being a little bit more creative than he would have been or, originally. Or at least recognizing that he's not the creative one. Yeah. Um, and, and I think we get that moment, um, if we want to sort of segue into him and Cordelia, you know, the moment where Cordy says, you know, hey, I thought this was Wesley's meeting. And he just kind of, he's like, it, it's okay, actually. I Yeah. They're asking the right questions, so I'm just going to let it keep going. Go ahead, Willow. You know, like, yeah. he doesn't, whereas before he might have been like, oh, you know, you're right. It, this is my meeting, and I should, you know, do whatever. I don't know. So yeah. it does seem to be that he's at least recognizing that in the field, so to speak, um, yeah, he and he still has a lot to learn. And he's miffed at the end that they didn't include him, which it's interesting. He's not miffed that they did this plan. He's annoyed that he wasn't in on it. So right, and that they that didn't trust of, him maybe yeah. to, with perhaps rightful, you know. It's not like he hasn't gone behind their backs. Yeah. You know, like with oh, the whole yeah. calling of the council to come get faith and stuff too. So No. No, and and I'm not <clears throat> questioning their choice. I just think it's interesting that right. that his criticism has changed from how could you go against the, the the council? How could you form this underhanded plot to well, why wasn't I included? You know, <laughs> that that's mm-hmm. like the thing that he's most concerned about now is you know being one of the team and being in on it i guess yeah so um him and cordy yep thoughts (laughs) on the day that flimsy excuse was redefined we all stood in awe (laughs) um (laughs) she's funny um yeah. yeah, I study best in a good restaurant around eight-ish. <laughs> so, right. yeah, I like her kind of just absolute shameless ploys to uh, to get his attention. And it's interesting that now that she has him to pursue, she's hanging around them again. Um, like, more consistently than she has been, you know. Sure. She has, since she broke up with Xander, only been involved when she wanted to interject an insult or two, you know, but right. now she's helping with research again and she's going to the Scooby meetups and everything. And it may be because <laughs> she's interested in Wesley, but you know, that seems to have got her part of the team again. So right. I like that. Um, it's kind of good to see a little bit more of her. Cool. All right. Well, any other final thoughts or anything about the characters? Uh, or the story or whatever? Nope. I'm excited to see where it goes, but I don't have anything else. Um, I know you have a couple production notes before we sign off, though. Yeah, I did want to just... Well, first, I just wanted to mention um, that the... Uh, director this week, David Grossman. This was his first episode directed. Um, and we sort of tried to make note of when uh, significant people come in to write or direct or whatever. Yeah. Um, he will go on to direct uh, a total of 12 Buffy episodes and then um, also four episodes of Angel. So, yeah, he makes a pretty pretty significant contribution. Um, Doug Petrie, who 
we've seen uh, his work before, wrote the episode, and and he'll continue writing. Yeah. Um, I forget how many he writes, but it's in the double digits as well. So, um, that's that's pretty cool. The other thing I wanted to mention is actually about next week's episode. Um, so you kind of gave us a slight preview. Um, you know, for the next Doctor Who episode. This one, I just want to mention because it actually aired out of order uh, originally. And um, we're not going to watch it in the uh, ver- in the uh, order that they originally aired. We're, we're going to watch it here because it actually does have some significance to how the rest of the season plays out. We made some reference to um, the fact that we're coming up on the last, you know, what I think four or five episodes of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this does have some pertinence. So uh, just want to throw this out there that, that it, you know, just to note that it did actually originally air and, and we can get into the reasons why, but, um, right now in the, in the airing of Buffy, I, I believe, so it's, um, we're, we're in spring of 1999. Um, and, and I don't, I don't remember if we're in like April or May, but like the last, uh, number of episodes sort of aired pretty closely together, you know, right right in line with each other. Um, but this episode actually did not air until the end of September. Um, it got moved out very far. Yeah. Uh, so several months after, um, and, and again, we can sort of get into the reasons why that happened. Um, there's a particular historical event, um, that's related. Uh, uh, so actually, so enemies, just, just to give a sense, enemies aired on March, uh, 16th, Mm. Um, of 1999 and then actually so the next episode that aired um, after so the next episode we're going to watch is Earshot but um, that was skipped over and and the next episode didn't actually end up airing until May um, Choices which is the 19th episode Um, so so there was quite a gap um, so it affected that there but then also you know the fact that this story for Earshot didn't get um seen until until the end of September, which which then led into re-airings of the season finales um before the new season began in October. Okay. Um and that's sort of just to give you the, the idea of the, the history of of those. Um and to say that we're not gonna do it that way. <laughs> that we're gonna see earshot now. Um so we're not gonna do it the Fox way. We're gonna do it yeah, the intended right, exactly. order. <laughs> exactly. Um, we're going to do it in the order that um, God originally created yes. it. I mean, Joss Whedon <laughs> originally wanted it. Um, yes, of course. So anyway, uh, with that note, I guess we uh, we shall end and we'll um, try to rein it in a little bit next week. But uh, these were some great episodes. So yeah. glad we got a few extra minutes here to talk about them. All right. So see you next week.